0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Monday, June the 6th, 2022, the 78th anniversary of the D-Day invasion that marked the beginning of the end of World War II. Today, 97-year-old Charles Shea, a veteran of the D-Day invasion, was at Omaha Beach you know, D-Day was the largest amphibious assault in military history. Shea was asked about the war raging again on the European continent.
2: 1944, I landed on these beaches, and we thought we would bring peace to the world, but it's not possible.
1: Well, peace is elusive. We're going to talk about the state of national security in the context of world events with retired Marine Colonel Oliver North.
3: And more lawlessness is being threatened. And if a ban goes into effect, either at the national level or the state level, this ordinance, this ordinance, as proposed, would prevent enforcement of such a ban at the township level.
1: That was Jack Larkin, vice president of the Radnor, Pennsylvania Board of Commissioners, anticipating a Supreme Court decision that could put the policy of abortion back into the hands of state lawmakers. Blue cities and red states are saying we'll not obey the law. But is that the end of the matter? We'll talk with the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, a little bit later on this edition of Washington Watch. Also, what is something the left and their allies in the media clearly cannot tolerate? Let me tell you what it is. Political candidates that will not hide nor downplay downplay their Christian faith.
0: First Corinthians 127 gives us all hope. God uses the foolish to can the wise and the weak to can found the strong, right? That's his story. And he uses people like you and me to change history. I always like to say when we make his story our story, we can change history.
1: That was Doug Mastriano, who won the Republican gubernatorial primary in Pennsylvania. His successful bid, while refusing to hide or downplay his Christian faith, has the left out in full force with their claims of Christian nationalism. Now, what is Christian nationalism? You know, I'm not sure the left actually knows what they're saying, but it sounds bad, so they're saying it. Well, we're going to try and define it for them based upon how they're using it, and then we're going to tell you what is behind the label and why we cannot let their name-calling deter us from our mission. David Clawson, director of FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview, joins me a little bit later for that conversation. And finally, speaking of elections, tomorrow, if you live in California... Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, or South Dakota, you'll be heading to the polls for your primary elections. Brent Kylan, vice president of FRC Action, is here later with resources you might need as you head out to the polls tomorrow. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you miss anything, it's all archived right there. Lots of resources there for you. It's a great place to send friends. Also, a new place to send your friends for news and commentary from a biblical perspective is The Washington Stand. WashingtonStand.com, FRC's new electronic news service, news and commentary from a biblical perspective. Again, WashingtonStand.com. The word for today, coming from our stand on the Word Bible reading plan, comes from 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 11. Be of good courage, and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. That coming from Joab, the commander of David's military to his brother who was leading half of Israel's army. Here's the bottom line: be courageous and live for something greater than yourself, and then leave the outcome to God. To join us in our two-year journey through the Bible, you can find the reading plan at FRC.org/Bible. It was on June the 6th, 1944, that more than 160,000 Allied troops landed on the heavily fortified beaches of Normandy, France, to fight Nazi Germany. The cost in lives on D-Day was high, but by the day's end, the Allies gained a foothold in Europe and from there made their way across the continent to defeat the forces of Adolf Hitler. In a radio address to the nation on D-Day, U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt asked the nation to pray, to join him in praying, and then he prayed to God to help the country. He said, rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice.
3: Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts.
1: Again, that was President FDR leading the nation in prayer. Now, 78 years later, our nation faces new enemies, many of them internal violence, division, weariness and moral decay. But unlike the days of that epic campaign that we took on the forces of darkness in Nazi with faced that we faced in Nazi Germany, our government turns everywhere today but to God. In an age when faith is grounds for military discharge, it seems almost unfathomable that our Commander-in-Chief would call the nation to prayer like FDR did. And and remember that Franklin Roosevelt was a big government Democrat, but he led the nation in praying before thousands of men stormed those bloody beaches. Today we have a Commander-in-Chief that can't get beyond saying, what in God's name are we going to do? Well, the reality is we've kicked God out of the national conversation and the collective conscience, and the results have been tragic. That is the challenge that is before us, and and I've talked about this, and I'm going to continue to talk about it. When we look at both our domestic challenges and the challenges we face on the foreign front, is that if we don't return to a moral foundation rooted in our biblical faith, America's future, well, quite frankly, I'm going to say it's hopeless because more government is not going to solve the problem. With me now to talk about our national security in the context of world events is retired Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, who served as the counterterrorism coordinator on President Ronald Reagan's National Security Council staff. He is now CEO of Fidelis Publishing and Fidelis Media and author of a new book, Tragic Consequences. Colonel, welcome back to Washington Watch.
4: It's great to be with you, my friend. And by the way, the subtitle on that book is the Price America is Paying for Rejecting God and How to Reclaim Our Culture for Christ. So you can be sure this book is going to get banned by the, by the far left in America today because all the things you were just saying are true. Let me make an observation, if I may, Tony, about this particular anniversary. 78 years ago today, 150,000 U.S., Canadian, and, and British troops landed at Normandy. Before they ever departed— then the Supreme Allied Commander, uh, almost uh, Carson, Dwight David Eisenhower, had prepared an explanation for what had happened and took full. In other words, this is the the, the great. Please forgive me. The the letter is handwritten. It's in the Eisenhower Library, and I actually show it on the uh, version that we did for War Stories on the 60th anniversary. Which, by the way, shameless self promotion, is still available. It's the, War Stories is the longest-running, continuously-broadcast military documentary series in history. And if you go to Season 2, Episode 7 on Tubi TV, type in War Stories with Oliver North, you can see this anniversary edition of D-Day, the 60th anniversary. And I show the handwritten notes that Eisenhower was going to use if the landing had failed. And that's something that does not happen in modern times. If you consider what happened in the aftermath of Afghanistan, which truly was a disaster, no one took accountability. No one assumed responsibility. No one became the person to look to who's accountable to the American people for what happened, and of course, to all the troops that we left behind, the American citizens that we left behind, and all of our allies. It was a horrendous disaster, yet no one has yet taken any responsibility for that disaster. How unlike President or then Commander-in-Chief Eisenhower was for the D-Day landing 78 years ago today. Well,
1: I think that your book is very timely as we talk about the title, Tragic Consequences, the Price America is Paying for Rejecting God and How to Reclaim Our Culture for Christ. When you look at the world stage and the threats that are out there today, and i and i go back to what i was just, i played the clip of fdr leading the nation nation in prayer w- what is there that would bring us together to face these mounting challenges whether they be domestic or they be foreign without faith
4: well, well what what we the reason for the timing for this book was because it was the this came out you know in may last month and it was all about nominating and then electing the right kind of people to represent us in government. I'm not just talking about in Congress or the White House. I'm talking about at every level, school boards, county boards of supervisors, city councils, mayors. This this country has got to find people who are going to help us reclaim our culture for Christ. Because what we now have done, 1962, we drove prayer out of public schools, Tony, I still remember the prayer. I was in the last high school class in America, 1961, that could say these words in a public school. And by the way, the person who drafted the language, the original language, it was a little bit longer, was Eisenhower. Eisenhower was the one who inserted under God into our Pledge of Allegiance. And the prayer was, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee and beg your blessings on us, our parents, our teachers, our country. That was the prayer that was deemed to be unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Eleven years later, the Supreme Court again steps in and says infanticide is legal, okay? In other words, the Roe v. Wade decision. Since then, the sanctity of human life has disappeared in our country. That's that's one of the reasons for the crime wave that we're experiencing. We have, we, we need to reclaim our culture for Christ. This book is a straightforward presentation of the, the various issues that are are affecting our future. I've got 18 grandchildren. Right. I want them to have a future like you and I had, I, and that's not going to happen I, I'm unless g- we put the right people in office.
1: I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but I'm going to go ahead and tee it up now. What you just described, the left would say, well, that's Christian nationalism. Uh, you're wanting to <laughs> impose your values on the rest of America.
4: No, I want the rest of America to accept the values that are in the Holy Bible. Okay, because the framers of our Constitution, the man who wrote the Declaration of Independence, and the Congress that approved it, okay, and declared our independence, they are the only seminal documents of any country on the planet that pay homage to God Almighty. And people have just sit down and look at what they were talking about, and they still apply right. today. The end result of that is the destruction of all the good things that this country has been able to do. God blessed this country in ways no other country has been blessed. We're the most generous, prosperous country on earth. What we need to do is restore those values to make sure that my grandkids have a future.
1: Part of the challenge we have, as you laid out, that was the the values that the founders had, but... We don't teach history. We've rewritten history in this country. In fact, we're teaching kids to hate this country and what it stands for. Colonel, we're up against a break. When we come back, I, I, I want to look at the na- the international scene right now. Over the weekend, uh, we had North Korea firing uh, a barrage of eight missiles. What does the future look like in terms of our national security? Where are the greatest threats? And what do we need to do to be prepared? So I want to talk about that when we come back. My next, my uh, my guest... Colonel Oliver North, author of a new book, "Tragic Consequences: The Price America Is Paying for Rejecting God and How to Reclaim Our Culture for Christ." We're going to continue our conversation, taking a look at the threats that we face. Eighty-seven years, seventy-eight years later, after the D-Day invasion, the war to end all wars. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
5: Family Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org Bible to begin this journey through the
2: Bible today. Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org worldview email.
0: want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this uh, Monday afternoon. Continuing our conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, retired from the United States Marine Corps, who served as the counterterrorism coordinator on President Ronald Reagan's National Security Council staff. In fact, I was in the Marine Corps then myself as a uh, sergeant when he was a lieutenant colonel. He's now the CEO of Fidelis Publishing and Fidelis Media and the author of a new book, Tragic Consequences, The Price American America is Paying for Rejecting God and How to Reclaim the Culture for Christ. Uh, colonel, uh, good to have you with us. Over the weekend, North Korea fired uh, eight short-range ballistic missiles into the, wire, the waters off its uh, east coast. That was the 17th launch by North Korea just this year. Uh, that came, it came from four different sites. What do you, how do you explain this increasing aggressiveness of uh, North Korea? What's driving it? Well, first of all, what's driving it is money, and the money's coming
4: from communist China, Russia, and Iran. The Iranians are helping them build nuclear weapons. And the, the Chinese are all over this thing. The fact is, we've got a planet that is in dear, very dear danger, near danger, existential danger, in case... If, if the United States was attacked with an electromagnetic pulse weapon fired from one of these hypersonic weapons that they've both developed, both Russia and China, we're way behind on that. And all those kinds of things that are threatening our country, the invasion across our southern border. The enormous crime wave that's broken out here in this country, the kinds of threats that the inflation is going to cause, not just for us, but for our great-grandchildren, the way things are going, the, the debt that's being piled up, all of those are indicators of a serious problem in this country. And I think that the national security issues are as great as they've ever been. If you look so at the me people- ask you-
1: So do you think, Colonel, that in part it might be that they perceive weakness and lack of solid foundation? I'm talking about North Korea in this case, because we're seeing, you know, it it seems like since the Biden administration came into place, you know, the world's spinning out of control. Well, it is
4: in large part because of what this administration has done. And that's why I say one of the most important elections we'll ever have is about to happen here in November and then the next one in 2024. We have got to find the right kind of people who will, as I say, return our culture to that which our forefathers included in the Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution. And I I know people are are upset about the way things are going, but the only way to fix it is to put the right people in office. And the Chinese are are basically goosing us every time we turn around. They are our number one adversary.
1: Mike Pompeo, when he was Secretary of State, made very clear that he was a, he was a Christian and that yep. uh, that helped him actually in foreign policy, which I agree, he's a, he's a close friend. I, see, I think to what you're advocating, I agree with 100%. We need more Christians who believe the Bible, understand right from wrong, have a moral foundation. And I think that gives you a greater level of determination to hold your ground. And I think it makes... Your enemies fear you when you actually stand for something and you believe something and you'll fight for that.
4: Well, of course. And, and, and it, one of the great problems that we've got, whether it's the horror, the horror of what's been happening in our schools or whether it's the North Koreans feeling that they, there's no consequences for them if they fire off ballistic missiles, they could easily pound the living daylights out of Seoul. Seoul's just south, as you know, of the DMZ that separates the two countries. Why are they doing it? Because they're testing our resolve as to what we really Mm -hmm. mean. And the Chinese are encouraging that. They're looking at Taiwan with avarice. They're looking at the ideas of taking charge of basically the South China Sea and, and territorial gains that are contrary to everything that we know, everything that the international community supports. And at the same time, this administration is bumbling through everything. It's not just Afghanistan. And that's the horror show that people are going to remember for decades. The ideas of what the provocateurs in places like Iran intend to do, God help us if they end up with nuclear weapons. Israel will be the first target, and we'll be the second.
1: But what you are laying out, again, which I agree 100% with you, is that we cannot escape the consequences of what we see playing out on the international stage. It all comes back to what we believe here at home and what we have embraced. We've rejected truth, we've rejected God, and this is what we get.
4: And the the consequences are horrific. They really are. I was asked the other day by a reporter who was actually the first trip I've made out of town since my wife became ill. Uh, I went down to a a Heroes, uh, basically festival in Daytona Beach, and it was put on by a group of Christians— who wanted a, a large number of people to do the kinds of things on Memorial Day that would re- remember those who made such great sacrifices. And on the way, a reporter asked me, so you're a big, bi- big, big Bible thumper. And I said, well, you could call me that, but I am a Bible reader. And he says, well, what's your favorite verse testing me? I said, well, today my favorite verse is one that I've had people, I've, I've prayed for others at the moments just before they died when I held dying Marines in my arms, when my own dad died. It's Romans 10:9. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not just true for me and you, Tony, or my dad or those dying Marines. That's true for our nation. If our nation would simply pray that and believe it, we'd be okay. We're going to come out of this the ideas of the, the framers of our constitution and our declaration of independence was we had to be a quote religious people. I don't think religious is not necessarily the right word. I think we need to be faithful. And so yeah. I look at it through the eyes of a Marine. The words Semper Fidelis, always faithful, is not just a slogan. It's a way of life. It needs to be for all of us to preserve this country.
1: Well, Semper Fi, Marine. Good to have you on, Colonel. Simple Always great price. to see you and talk with you.
4: You give my final regards to General Boykin, if you would, sir. God
1: I will, and I'll tell him pray that for I'll t- I, I absolutely will. Thank you, Colonel. Uh, find out more about Colonel's book. Go to the website, tonyperkins.com. Tragic Consequences, the price America is paying for rejecting God and how to reclaim our culture for Christ. Very interesting. We had a, as you recall, those listeners that were listening in on Friday, we were in houston texas for a pastor's conference and this was the same theme over and over folks it's time it is time that we step forward regardless of the labels regardless of the criticism and i'm going to talk more about that later but coming up some blue states are preparing to oppose the pro-life laws in their red states by refusing to enforce them if roe v wade is overturned by the u.s supreme court you know what kinds of showdowns will this set up we're going to discuss this with the Attorney General of the State of Ohio. So don't go, around, don't go away. We're coming right back with more Washington Watch right after this.
2: Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more.
6: attention university students do you feel called to promote faith family and freedom in public policy and the culture are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership then join family research council for an unforgettable internship FRC's 12 to 15 week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive as an intern you work alongside FRC Experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in DC, allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org internships. That's frc.org slash internships.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. With a highly anticipated Supreme Court decision expected uh, soon on the Dobbs case, government officials at all levels have been preparing for the very real possibility of a post-Roe America. And while the overturning of Roe would return abortion as a policy issue back to the states, living in a red state may not guarantee that the sanctity of human life will be protected in your city or town. For instance as I mentioned earlier in Radnor Township Pennsylvania for example commissioners voted four to two last month to pass an ordinance preventing the township's police department from enforcing an abortion ban at any level and the the uh, Radner Township is uh, is not alone when it comes to this so what could this mean for blue cities and red states are, are we going to see lawlessness break out is there going to be state enforcement what's going to happen? With us now to talk about this is Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost whose state has a heartbeat bill that is expected to become effective if Roe and Casey get overturned. General Yost, welcome back to the uh, the program. It's good to be with you, Tony. Thank you for having me. Well, so what is your take on plans of some of these blue cities and red states to disregard the law if the court, the Supreme Court overturns Roe v Wade?
3: Well, it, it is lawless. Uh, I mean, you, you don't get to take your, your toys and go home because you, you don't get your way. There There's a couple of different ways this can happen. Um, you mentioned one, which is the legislative route. Um, and frankly, I think there's a, a really interesting argument about whether A state or excuse me, a city or locality can use its legislative power to interfere with the state's lawmaking process. Uh, Remember, these are uh, state charters. Uh, The city uh, is created under a state charter. A county is operating uh, uh, under a statute that creates the county uh, by the state. Um, so th- this is a little bit um, the, the uh, created being saying to the creator, you can't do that. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's mostly political theater, Tony. I mean, the bottom line is these red states are well able to defend their prerogatives uh, and enforce their own laws. So if a local prosecutor, uh, you know, says he doesn't want to go after that. Um, the state can, that passed the law protecting life could certainly uh, easily pass a law authorizing uh, its attorney general or governor uh, or whomever to uh, go to court to enforce the law that the local government doesn't want to participate in.
1: I mean, I know each state is different in the way they're structured in terms of the authority granted to different offices. Um, But this, I mean, we're seeing this happening where when a Republican legislative body passes legislation, the Democrats and prosecutors and others saying we're not going to enforce it, we're not going to do this or that. And, And the flip side is true as well. When you have Democrats that will pass laws, you'll have some Republicans say we're not going to enforce that. This is very dangerous when we get to the fact that we're just going to pick and choose what laws that we will
3: uh, enforce, is it not? It's the absolute breakdown of the rule of law. Uh, and that means we are in a position where everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Uh, that, that's no law at all. Um, Look, I mentioned two ways this could happen. The other way you just brought up on your own, which is that prosecutors, uh, which are executive officers, uh, say that there's a class of uh, things that they won't prosecute. Now, there is something called prosecutorial discretion. Uh, For example, uh, if you have uh, an 80-year-old grandmother And she writes a check and doesn't have the money in the bank and writes a $2,000 check um, under a lot of state laws. She has passed a bad check, uh, a criminal act. A prosecutor might very well say she's got early uh, dementia. Uh, It's not in the interest of justice to prosecute and convict this 80-year-old lady. Uh, That's prosecutorial discretion. That's very different than what you're talking about, though. When Mm -hmm. a prosecutor says, I'm not going to enforce an entire class of laws because I disagree with it, uh, then that prosecutor's done something very dangerous. I believe they've violated their oath because they've basically said, I don't care what the elected representatives charged with making the laws have done. I am going to arrogate to myself the power to veto that uh, by not enforcing it. Um, We all that take the oath, say something to the effect of, we will uphold uh, and enforce the uh, Constitution laws of the United States of America and and the state we serve. Um, That couldn't be farther from what these rogue prosecutors are proposing to do. And
1: very, very dangerous to the future of, uh, of our country. And I'm sure we're going to see very soon uh, what's going to happen on that front. Uh, general, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. It's wonderful to see you. All right. Uh, general Yost from Ohio, the attorney general there. It, it is going to be interesting because you've got these, uh, as he said, woke prosecutors saying, not going to enforce it. All right. Well, we'll see. Coming up, the Associated Press published an article last week on what they're calling the rise of Christian nationalism in some GOP campaigns. We're going to take a look at what that means and what's behind it on the other side of this break. So don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this.
6: Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support today efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common therefore christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives access the center for religious liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org religious-liberty
0: In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men Who Will Stand Courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
5: At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of text censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a text subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742.
1: is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. All right. Last year, following the lawless storming of the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, the phrase Christian nationalism picked up a lot of attention. Now, with primary election season well underway and the midterms just months away, the phrase is popping back up. And according to an article published last week by the Associated Press, Christian nationalism is on the rise in some GOP campaigns. That's a quote. What's one example that the AP gave of this? Well, it's the way that the Republican governor candidate, Doug Mastriano, in Pennsylvania made faith central to his personal story and has woven conservative Christian beliefs and symbols into his campaign. Again, those are quotes. The AP noted how Mastriano, uh, after winning Pennsylvania's Republican gubernatorial primary last month, opened his victory speech by invoking scripture. This is what he said.
0: First Corinthians 127 gives us all hope. God uses the foolish to confound the wise and the weak to confound the strong, right? That's his story. And he uses people like you and me to change history. I always like to say when we make his story our story, we can change history.
1: So that is a picture of Christian nationalism. With me now to talk about this is David Clausen, the director of FRC Center for Biblical Worldview. David, welcome back to the program.
7: Hey, thanks for having me on, Tony.
1: All right, for those that are not familiar with the term Christian nationalism, let's try to define it, uh, because frankly, I'm not sure the left even has a definition of it. They just think it sounds bad, and so they use it. But what is the closest definition that we can
7: get of Christian nationalism? Yeah, I think this is an important question, because really, Tony, there is no agreed-upon definition of Christian nationalism, even among uh, the scholars who look at this. Uh, Most people would agree, though, that to start with nationalism, nationalism is means loyalty and devotion to one's country. Uh, But then when you add that moniker uh, Christian nationalism, what people usually mean by that is uh, that someone is really kind of conflating their Christian identity with their American identity. Uh, So properly understood the way I understand Christian nationalism, Tony is that someone who's really kind of giving an exaggerated, maybe uh, transcendental meaning uh, to their American citizenry and their Christian identity. The problem is, though, Tony, uh, when the secular news media uses that, that's not actually what they're referring to. What they're really referring to is just any Christian engaging in politics. So even though there's no definition of Christian nationalism that everyone agrees on, it's clear though that the left has an agenda with the use of this kind of uh, nefarious sounding kind of phrase,
1: yeah all right so to to to, to get a cultural definition let, let me go to um the view, all right I think um of anything that is reflective of our debased culture, it would be the view and uh terrace i i i I've never watched it, so I have no idea. But Tara Setmeyer, um, this was her comments uh, last week, uh, I think it was, uh, kind of defining Christian nationalism. Play clip number eight.
2: It's part of the Christian nationalism, this yes. rise in violent Christian nationalism that we have seen, which yeah. is also disturbing, because they find it to be, they use biblical principles, yeah. they t- pervert them to justify this, which is another problem, particularly in Texas, this is a growing movement, it's God guns and Trump, or but God guns or whatever, it's, it's part of their this. ethos.
1: Uh, that's about as clear as mud, but the the reality is what they're saying is Christian, biblical principles. And now I don't know, it's interesting how they throw in these terms, violence, and then Texas. What she was actually talking about, I believe, was the Texas pro-life laws that have been passed based upon biblical principles. So I'm left, based upon the way this term has been used, I'm left with the Assumption, understanding that their real issue is Christians who engage in the political process and work to shape public policy in line with biblical principles. So, in other words, to say that if you're a Christian, your worldview has to be left outside, but my secular worldview, based upon humanism, based upon philosophy, I'm free to advocate my views But you, because it's based on scripture, you're a Christian nationalist and you can't use that.
7: Yeah, that's exactly what's happening, Tony. And again, there's no properly uh, agreed on definition among academics. But when it is properly used kind of in academia, it really refers to someone who's, again, conflating their American and Christian identity. uh, Someone who might think that America is the new Israel uh, that America right. has been an outsized uh, place. And which, is plans,
0: which, which is which wrong. Which I disagree there, with. I disagree there, there, with.
7: Some people, right, some people maybe in the January 6th riot when you saw uh, the cross or the Christian flag being used, that's wrong. But again, that's not what's happening here in these articles that appeared over the weekend. What they're going after, Tony, is anyone who is invoking biblical principles. So for those of us who would say that, as Christians, we are pro life and we're motivated in part because of our convictions on what the Bible teaches uh, about life. We're a Christian nationalist. So, again, the way the media is using this is trying to cast all Christians as somehow subversive, uh, nefarious, and how maybe we can't be trusted. And again, I think the, the, What the media is trying to do, Tony, and it's really shown in the examples they gave over the weekend of the candidate in Pennsylvania, by just invoking Christian principles, by quoting scripture, somehow you shouldn't be trusted uh, with uh, the ability to make public policy. And so it's it's a sleight of hand that the media is doing, trying to paint with a broad brush anyone who's a Christian uh, is somehow dangerous and should be kept far out of politics. That's what they're doing.
1: And the goal, the goal is to further marginalize Christianity, marginalize and silence those who would bring their faith into the public square. So here is um, the remedy, is that more Christians— need to run for office. More Christians need to speak up and advocate for biblical principles and public policy. When the enemy attacks something like this, and, and look, um, this is we see this from a spiritual standpoint the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're spiritual there is look when you see children being killed in classrooms and in the womb of their mothers you know evil abounds and it's abounding in this country and as i was talking with colonel north about earlier it's because we've rejected god well if we're going to turn this country around and and i tell you what the hour is late The only way is if Christians will stop being passive and start being bold and proclaiming truth and advocating for that truth and carrying that truth into every sector of society, whether it be education, whether it be politics, uh, whether it be entertainment, uh, starting right in our home, teaching it to our children, countering the cultural garbage that our children are being indoctrinated with. I mean, look, the hour is late, as I said, and it is time for, if, if, if they want to call me a Christian nationalist, you know, if, if that's, I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you call me. Uh, and I think that's the attitude we have to have as Christians. Look, we're going, to, we're going to align ourselves with Scripture. We're going to speak truth. We're going to speak it in love, but we're going to speak the truth nonetheless. Call us what you want. You know, if we have to recite the old, the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, the words will never hurt me. Whatever it takes, we just have to have a resolve that we're going to stand for truth in this hour.
7: Yeah, well said, Tony. Christian faith propels public witness. Uh, And Jesus calls us to be light and salt. And the famous theologian Augustine famously said, those of us who follow Jesus are citizens of the city of God and we're called to be citizens of the city of man. And so, again, as Christians, the way one of the again, second great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And so as Christians, we are compelled uh, to enter public life out of love for our neighbor. And so, again, uh, this time around, the media is going to call us Christian nationalists. We need to not worry about what they call us. We need to fear God, not man, and be faithful to what he's called us to do.
1: Now, I do want to go back to, to some of the elements you laid out that, that would define Christian nationalism or any type of nationalism where you put your country before the kingdom. And, and that's problematic. Uh, As as Augustine said, we're first, we're citizens of the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. uh, the city of God. And then, then our allegiance is to the country in which God has placed us. There's nothing wrong with being patriotic towards your country based upon the priorities, God first uh and then our allegiance to our family and to our country nothing wrong with that but if we conflate the two as you said and i know that there there has been uh, a view especially in times past that uh, america was the new israel that's not the case um, you know i just i don't see it it's not biblical that does not mean that we're not a covenantal nation built upon biblical principles where our founders understood those, those biblical principles, that if we honor God, put him first, that he would bless us. He took the prom- we, they took the promises of Israel, which are universal in many ways, it's the natural laws of God, and they put them into place. We don't need to make apologies for that.
7: No we don't Tony and you're absolutely right Christian principles is what this country was founded on and I would also add uh, the Christian understanding of being made in the God, image of God that really is the grounding for uh, human rights and understanding uh, how we should treat other people uh, limited government finds its roots in, in Christian principles of the kind of the separation of, of different spheres um, those are things we should acknowledge that are really important to the founding of this country but, you know, and I don't think there are many people, Tony, that are true Christian nationalists. There are some, you find them on the internet, who will say that Christians ought to be given a privileged place in society and that certain minorities, uh, religious minorities, need to be excluded. Uh, we would be against that. And again, I think almost an overwhelming 99.9% of Christians in this country would reject teaching like that as unbiblical. But again, that's why it's so important to to go back to God's Word and to define our terms and not let the left get away with painting with a broad brush that seeks to sideline all faithful Christian witness from the public square.
1: Right. Bottom line is that we, we just have to ignore the labels that are being used and not be fearful of what they might say. We have to have a greater reverence for God than we do a fear of man. Uh, David Clawson, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today.
7: Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. All
1: right. And folks, by the way, we've got uh, resources available for you on how to think through many of the issues today from our Center for Biblical Worldview. Uh, you can check those out. Uh, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow The link's over. All right. um, Speaking of elections tomorrow, we have about seven states that have their primary elections. And so joining me now to talk about this is our vice president for FRC Action, Brent Kylan. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch.
8: Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you again. Okay. so what states head to the polls tomorrow? So like you said, we have, uh, we have seven states that have their statewide primaries. So those are California, Iowa, Mississippi – Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. So they are, again, having statewide primaries. There are also some locations that are having local primaries as well, depending on where you live. So lots of important races to get involved in. Tony, as you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, we really have to take advantage of every opportunity we have. Uh, Every vote is important. Every primary is important. So if you're in those states, strongly encourage you to make sure you are getting out and uh, vote if you haven't uh, early voted already,
1: now FRC Action has resources available for uh, voters uh, to help them know where the candidates stand on the issues.
8: Uh, tell us about that. That's right, Tony. Uh, we really want to make sure everybody has the resources they need to get involved. And we have a number of resources on our FRCaction.org webpage. Uh, first I'll start with is voter registration. Go to go to our webpage, go to voter resources. We have some information there that will walk you through how to register to vote if you're not already. Um, we know looking at the statistics, tens of millions of Americans, um, Tony, really even tens of millions of uh, Christians are not even registered. Uh, to vote and and we want to make sure everybody is so so look at that a lot of states offer online voting it's not a Long, cumbersome process. Uh, the other thing that I would like to highlight is that we are part of the the I Voter Guide Coalition, and uh, we reached three and a half million voters in 2020, hoping to do even more than that this year. But we cover all of the Republican federal primaries in all 50 states. We'll cover all of the federal races in the general election, uh, and then we cover um, the state primaries, Republican primaries in in the majority of states, uh, 35 states, in fact, and and also cover some, some school board races in, in key areas of the country. We do a lot of research. It, it scores things, evaluates things like donations, past votes, questionnaires. We really want to give you the information as a voter to understand why candidates are ranked the way they are and where they stand on the issues. So strongly encourage you, um, if your primary hasn't happened yet, uh, to check that out. Again, you can find that through our, through our website as well, uh, frcaction.org. All right, very
1: quickly, Brent, uh, got about 30 seconds left. What are the big races that you and your team are paying
8: close attention to for tomorrow? You know, the ones that uh, that uh, really pop out for my team are we, we have our FRC action scorecard. We have members of Congress who score 100 percent our, our true blues, as we call it. We've got seven of those those people running tomorrow. And, and we want to make sure that candidates who are voting, standing for faith, family and freedom, have support, have the support of the voters. Uh, lots of other interesting races tomorrow, Tony. But those are the ones that uh, were we're most focused on tomorrow. All right. Well, Brent, we'll probably get an update from you later in the week as uh, those results come back
1: in from tomorrow's primary. Brent, always great to see you. Thank you, Tony. You as well. All right, folks, and always great to see you as well. And if you live in one of those seven states, I want to encourage you to make sure you plan now to go out and vote. Your vote matters, and we need to continue to voice our values at the ballot box. Okay, until next time, let me leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council 7234.